Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. I just love Fran because not only is she brilliant, loves the Lord, she's funny, has a great sense of humor, and you know, we all need a good sense of humor because we live in this world. And Jerry, I love every song, where are you? Every song you sang was leading us right into my message. And we are so fortunate that we serve a God who never leaves us and he will never forsake us. Big things, little things. He's always there. And um, we're so fortunate for that. You know, he's, he's not a, a wavy-grady kind of God. He is constant. He is, uh, you know, he's mighty. Mighty to save. Well, I want to share with you this morning. It, it, it's, as I told Fran this morning, I just feel a little foggy about this. But she prayed that the breath of God would blow that fogginess away and I would have clarity and you know everything that has been said this morning sang this morning to me and it's like God is here he really is here in a tangible way well you know there was a little boy and he spent hours working on a little sailboat and he made it himself and he took it down to the river because he wanted to try it out and see if it would sail and so he did, but the wind caught it and blew it away so far off in the distance that he couldn't see it anymore. He was so sad, he thought he'd never see it again. One day, while walking in town with his daddy, walked by a toy store and there was his boat in the window. And he went in, he paid full price for that boat that he had made, took it home. He was so overjoyed at the fact that he got his little boat back. That is a very simple picture illustration of what redemption is. To buy back. To take ownership of. And give it the true value and meaning that it was meant to be. One of the things that keeps coming up for your staff is the word redemption. It's a beautiful word filled with hope and restoration and enlightenment. And you know, I probably need my glasses for enlightenment. To me, it means that something or someone has bought back with a price, returning and restoring its true value to set free, to rescue, and to ransom. Good morning, Iris. Good morning, Jude. <laughs> to save from sin and its consequences. It means God has recovered ownership of by paying a specified sum, sum of money or sum of value, something of value he gave in return for us. I think we got the better of the deal, don't you? He gave his son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith in Jesus, and this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. That's Ephesians 
You know, I never knew that a 10-letter word could have so much meaning. But I'm learning, even at my age. And I'll never stop learning until I meet him face to face. You know, redemption is a big deal to God. God is a big, big God. And he can do anything. You already know that. He can redeem big things. Like an entire, entire nation of Hebrew slaves. And turn it around and make them his treasured possessions. He can take a shepherd boy, the least of the least, and turn them into the king of Israel. He can take a prostitute named Rahab, and he can put her smack dab in the lineage of his very own son, Jesus. He even took us, sinners, at enmity with God, and he made us his children. He brought us in, adopted us, and made us his own. What a mighty God we serve. But you know, not only is he a God of big things, moving things around and orchestrating, he's the God of the little tiny details of our life. We may not see it, we may not observe it, but he's there working on our behalf. God can even take a little three-letter word like R-U-T and cause it to grow and expand and become more than it's just size. He did that for me recently. We were in a Bible study, and I would advise you to get into a Bible study. If you're not, it's, it's a wonderful way to learn, and God's there. When the teacher on the film brought focus on a word, the word was rut. It captured my attention and illuminated my previously very minute concept of the word. To me, to me, the word rut has been redeemed. Now it's bigger and it's brighter and it's better than I once thought it was. To many, a rut means being stuck in a rut, right? Do you feel like you've been in one for over about two years now? We're slowly making progress. Maybe some of you have felt like you were immobilized, stagnant, stale, stalled. Man, I don't know how many times I've seen a car on the side of the road and thought, I am so glad that's not me. <laughs> Holding patterns. You've ever been in an airport and your plane is on the ground and you're not going anywhere until that plane moves. You're in a holding pattern. How about the mundane, day in, day out? You get up out of bed, you go to work, you come home, you eat dinner, you go to bed. You get up in the morning, you, get, you go to work, you eat dinner, you go to bed. You, every day. The mundane, the boring. You feel confined and constricted and constrained. The dictionary also agrees with that description. It says that it's a fixed and usually boring routine. And now I have heard that a rut has been described as a grave with the ends knocked out. Boy, what a negative, right? <laughs> it's not some place you want to be. We may feel these things. We may feel the, uh, the immobilization, the stagnant, the boring, the constrained. God never feels those things. He cannot be confined. 
He can't be constrained. He can't be immobilized or held back. He's never bored and he's never boring. Quite the opposite, he's constantly at work. I will never forget the time my, my grandson, Braden, was a, a, about Jude's aids. <laughs> and he was laying on the couch at my house. He goes, Grandma, I'm bored. Well, my first response is, go out and climb a tree. <laughs> and he goes, why would I want to do that? <laughs> they have no concept of climbing trees and playing outside and sailing boats or whatever. I mean, this was like, they're just like this. Okay. Now there's a second definition, and if you, I don't see too many hunters here, but if you're a hunter, for a deer being in rut is a very exciting and positive time of year. And that's enough said. Okay. Yeah. So the third definition, and is the one that I have been illuminated on, it says that a rut is, and this is where I'm going to camp out for a bit a sunken track or groove made by the repetitive passage of travelers. You know, in the 1800s, thousands of families traveled from east to west and maybe other places in the western wagon, sometimes called the prairie schooner. Everyone wanted to come west. Now today, everybody wants to go east, right? We're always emigrating somewhere. Each wagon could contain up to 2,500 pounds, and they were supplied with at least, at the very least, five months worth of supplies. Not only did they hold their uh, household items, that they were gonna set up camp wherever they landed. It was heavy, and they usually uh, had a, a team of oxen or mules that would pack all this for them. Their wheels were made of wood, wooden spokes and then lined with iron so that they could they could go across the rough terrains that they were going to find. And they followed each other, leaving deep grooves and furrows in the earth called ruts. <laughs> Talk about in a rut. Those wheels aren't going anywhere. But you can see the iron that, that they have left. Their quest, these were people. Some of them loved God, some of them didn't, but they all had a quest to go somewhere. A new land, a new home, new hopes and dreams, an opportunity for prosperity. These rugged people were willing to do and to endure anything just to get where they were going. Pretty awesome that we even have things like this available to us to see. It's remnants of the past. Well, she was only about maybe six years old when her daddy lifted her up and shoved her in the back of the wagon. She was excited, he was excited, mama was excited. They were gonna go off and find a new home out west. They were focused on this quest. They, they wanted to go. They were anxious. They were impatient to get there. And so they joined a, a wagon train uh, for safety's sake uh, to go to make the journey. They followed each other, each wagon, 
and uh, they followed the wagon in, in back of them. It was just a constant line of wagon after wagon after wagon. Sometimes over 100 wagons were joined together. And they would stop along the way, and they would, as they said, circle the wagons for protection because it was a dangerous time. Well, at one point in time, they, were, they wanted to camp and circle their wagons. But Daddy was very impatient. He wanted to get there. He was so impatient that he took his wagon, his wife and his little girl, and set out all by themselves. No one was with them, just the three of them in their western wagon, their mules or their oxen, and they set out. They got about two days away. A band of Indians came down and swooped on their little lone wagon. I can feel fear. But they had the wherewithal to wrap that little girl. Maybe the aged root of her faith there. But she was so tiny, they wrapped her up in a carpet, laid her in the wagon. And they said, be very quiet. Don't make a sound. The Indians came and they killed the mom and the dad, and they took the livestock away and used them. For some reason, it was so totally out of the norm. They left the wagon. They usually burned the wagon to finish the job, to make a stand to other wagons coming along. Look what we did. Don't come this way. It's dangerous. Two days later, the rest of the wagons came. And they found that little girl. Isn't that crazy? Why do we cry sometimes and be overwhelmed? I'm sure it's, I'll say it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> they found that little girl wrapped in that carpet. They didn't understand why the Indians left the wagon. They just couldn't understand. It was so out of the ordinary. And that little detail would have far-reaching consequences. And she was adopted by another family in the wagon train and brought out west. They went up over the Oregon Trail, following the ruts that had been placed there by others. They settled in Humboldt County, and that little girl was grandma my great-grandma. If she hadn't been saved, I wouldn't be standing here. Fran would be standing here. <laughs> or Steve would be standing here. Or you would be standing here. But I wouldn't be here. By following the well-worn ruts in the ground, they made it. They made it to their destination. And those ruts gave them a clear direction of where they were to go, to their land of promise. It didn't matter how difficult it was, or the mundaneness of the everyday, day in, day out, saddle up the horses, put the gear on the, on the wagons, shuffle along at a very slow pace. 
they had a rut that they were going to follow. They kept focused on going forward, making progress, even if it was slow, completing their journey. And from these wagon ruts, many of our highways and our roads were laid over the top of those ruts in the ground that were formed by these wagon trains that traveled across so many thousands of miles. Well, Jesus, Jesus invited his disciples, come, follow me, go where I go, do what I do, stay in step with me. And they did. They carved out a rut and they left an impression in stone, a lasting impression in stone that others have followed for over 2,000 years. So I feel like we are in very good company. They also didn't care how difficult or tedious the journey was. They remained focused, intentional, and determined to stay on the way it was called then. It wasn't called the church, it was called the way. Sometimes they even gave up their lives for it. Matthew 7.13 describes our way. Enter through the narrow gate, he says, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter into it and through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few choose that way. The King Germ... King James uh, Version says, difficult is the way that leads to life. Sometimes the road is easy peasy, and sometimes it's so slow, you don't feel like you're making any progress, you don't feel like you're growing, you don't feel like, you don't feel close to God. It's the day in, day out repetition, struggling with the mundane, but we don't give up. So if you know someone, or if you are struggling with feeling bored or isolated, stagnant, stalled, holding pattern, constrained, with the day in day out repetition of the faith walk, be encouraged to stay, stay, stay on the well-worn beaten path. Read the word. Stay connected. And don't give up hope. And by all means, take the next step. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And who are these witnesses? They're our cheering team. It's God, Holy Spirit, Son, Jesus, the, the ones, the saints that have gone before us. The angels, they're cheering you on constantly. Let us run with perseverance, determination, intentionality, meaning, do it, sincerity. We Let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. You know that rut that we're supposed to follow? That's the race that's been marked out for us. 
fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer. Some say it's the author, but my version says it's, he's the pioneer. He went before us. He made the way and perfecter of our faith. We can't do it. We can't perfect our faith. We don't need to be in trouble. He's already done it. He went to the cross. He perfected us right there. There's somewhere and someone wonderful waiting for you and me when we get to where we're going. And I'm so glad you're on the journey with me. I couldn't want better people than you to be with me on my faith walk. So what do we find at the end of our journey, on the end of our faith walk? Our faith way? We find a welcoming space. John 14, 1 says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God and trust also in me, Jesus says. There are more than enough rooms in my Father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to go and prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you. I love you so much. I want you with me always. I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you already know the way to where I'm going. He's left a mark, a rut in the ground for us to follow. We find, when we're done with our journey, our place at the banqueting table in the presence of Jesus, the bread of life. And there, there will be rest for our souls indescribable love and joy unending you know the best part the very best part is that Jesus runs out to meet us and he says welcome you're home now God bless you each one of you I've, I've uh, enjoyed this I'm sorry for the tears but gee boy they're very cathartic I'm feeling pretty good right now <laughs> So I want to pray for you. Lord, help us to know you more. Help us to know you as the glorious and generous God you are. Help us to never put limits on you or try to constrain you as to who you are or what you can do. The big things, the little tiny things. For you are our God, and we look to you for the way home. For you made a way through your Son. You bought us with the price of your son, Jesus, who said, I must die on the cross. I must be buried. I must be risen again. And I must sit at the right hand of my Father in heaven so that where I am, you can be also. I love you that much. And so we pray that, that blessing on each person. Drive it home, Lord. Drive it home in each one of us. And I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.